Uh, kids, go ahead and raise your hand so I can see where you guys all are this morning. All right. Uh, all right, kids, today I need your help with something. So this morning, I'm driving to the Y in my car, and I'm thinking about this sermon that I spent most of my time last week writing, and I decided to take that sermon and just throw it out. Uh, and the reason why I decided to do that was because of you guys. Uh, you guys can help us, grown-ups, this morning uh, by helping us think about the resurrection, uh, about Jesus being raised from the dead, and what it means. And the reason why I think you guys can help us is because something kind of uh, weird and bad happens to us grown-ups, and that's that when we hear about something like Jesus being raised from the dead, uh, what do you guys think about that? Is that is that a good thing? Yeah? Why is it a good thing that Jesus raised from the dead? What do you think, Zeke? Because he's God's son. What about what what's what's Good Friday? What's that? Jesus is is alive on Good Friday, and then what happens to him on Good Friday, Zaley? Okay. What do you think, Landon? He gets nailed to the cross. And what happens to Jesus on the cross, Matthias? What do you think? He dies. So, Good Friday, like it doesn't sound very good. What, why do you think they call it Good Friday? That's right, because Jesus on the cross paid the penalty for our sins. So that's a good thing, even though what happened was, was sad, right? How do you think all of the disciples, all of Jesus' friends, felt about him dying on the cross? Very, very sad. And then so Good Friday happens, and then Saturday happens, right? And Saturday is just one long day uh, in between Friday and Easter Sunday for the disciples. How do you think the disciples felt all day Saturday? Very, very, very sad. Absolutely. And then what do you think they felt like on Easter Sunday when they, they wake up and they find out Jesus isn't dead anymore? He, he rose from the dead. How do you think they felt? Happy. Happy. How, how happy? Just like a little happy? Very, 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 very happy. Like probably the most happiest they've ever felt in their entire lives, right? And so don't you think that that's how we should feel about Jesus' resurrection? That's absolutely right. But guess what? Grown-ups are dumb. And when we hear about that again and again and again, when we celebrate Easter year after year after year, we begin to not feel incredibly very, 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 very happiest that we've ever been. We begin to think, I know that Jesus was raised from the dead. Why do I need to hear about it again? And so kids, today, normally, when I give the kids sermon, Towards the end of the kid's sermon, I say something like, go home and ask your parents, right? Go home and ask your parents about these things. But today, what I want you to do is I want you to listen, maybe like the best you can listen, and then go home and have your parents ask you about what you learned so that you can tell your parents about how they should feel about the resurrection. And so what we're going to do today, kids, is that there's, there's not going to be a short kid's sermon and then a long, regular sermon. Today, there's just going to be one kid's sermon. And we're going, to, we're going to read passages about when Jesus raises from the dead. I'm going to ask you guys to kind of help me answer questions. Uh, 
and then we're going to worship God for raising Jesus from the dead. And then you're going to go home, and you're going to tell your parents, hey, parents, this is what you guys should think about Jesus rising from the dead. This is how you should feel about that. You think your kids can do that for me this morning? Yeah? Now, I know, I know you've got those super cool kids bulletins that have all those fun activities on them. But I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Do you think that maybe you could wait until you get home to do those activities today? I know that's kind of rough. Honestly, there are Sundays where I wish I had a kids bulletin up here so I could do those during the sermon. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to read it, read the Bible to you, okay? Can you kids track with me, do you think? Yeah? There's a certain group of girls back there that are pretty disappointed. All right. This is, this is from the John's Gospel. John was, was the disciple, the guy that was closest to Jesus during his time on the earth. And this is what he says. He says, after these things, so after Jesus died on the cross, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 70 pounds in weight. So he brought a bunch of spices. Uh, so they took the body of Jesus. They bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. So what John's telling us there is he's telling us what happened after Jesus died. After Jesus died, the Sabbath was was coming quickly. The Sabbath is a day where the Jews, uh, all of Jesus' disciples and, and everybody else that lived during that time, they couldn't do any work. And carrying a body was doing work. I know that kind of sounds strange to us, that there was a day of the week where you couldn't do anything at all, but that's, that's what they believed, and that's how they lived. And so they had to do something with Jesus' body before that day arrived. And so what they do is they take it, and they put it in a tomb very close to where Jesus died. And so Jesus is buried there. He's, he's dead, and they put him in the tomb. And this is what happens next. Now, on the first day of the week, so Sunday, Easter Sunday, the first Easter Sunday, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So after Jesus was buried in the tomb, what they did, they didn't have like graves like we have. They had these caves and they put a big, huge rock in front of the cave after they put a body in there. And so the tomb is all locked up. But Mary comes early on Sunday morning and she finds out that this big stone that covered the whole of the tomb is not there anymore. And so she just recognizes that the tomb's uh, uh, empty. The stone had been taken away. And so this is what she does. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. That's, that's John, who's writing this story. And she said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they laid him. So imagine that if you were one of those disciples and Jesus has died, he's been in the tomb Friday, he's been in the tomb Saturday, and then Sunday morning, this lady, one of your friends, comes and she says, hey, the stone that was covering the, temp- the tomb, it's not there anymore. What do you think you would do? Hmm? Panic. You might freak out. Uh, why? Why would you panic? What do you think, Zaley? Because you don't know where he is, and he's one of your best friends. And, so, and that's what they do. John and Peter, that's what they do. 
So Peter went with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. So they go to the tomb, and then listen to what John tells us. He says, both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. This is kind of silly. John is writing this story, and he puts in the detail, I won the race. I'm faster than Peter. I beat him to the tomb. And this is what they do. They get there. Stooping to look in, he saw, that's John, saw the cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. So John beats Peter to the tomb. He stands on the outside. He sees that the, the cloths that Jesus were wrapped in were inside, but he doesn't go inside. Then Peter shows up, following him. Peter runs right into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. So there's these cloths that they wrapped up his body in, and they put, in, and, and after Jesus rises from the dead, some of those are kind of in a pile, and one of them, the one that was over his face, it tells us is like folded up neatly on one part of the tomb. Now that's really important. The reason why that's really important is because after Jesus rose from the dead, uh, the Jews came up with a story. Right, Because they didn't want people to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. They wanted people to believe that Jesus died and that he stayed dead. And so they came up with this plan to pay off the guards that were guarding his tomb and to say, hey, his disciples, they came and they stole his body. But let me ask you this. If you were going to like take out some soldiers and then move a giant rock so that you could get in a tomb and steal a dead body, do you think that you would take the time to fold up that cloth and set it neatly on some rock somewhere? No. Like when you guys are like getting ready for bed and you just take your clothes off, throw them in the dirty clothes, do you fold them first? You just, you just do it as fast as possible, right? Yeah, yeah and if you were going to steal something, which is bad, don't steal, but do you think you'd take the time to fold that cloth up? No, you'd just throw it aside and get out of there as fast as possible before the soldiers caught you, right? And so this little detail, John tells us, helps us know that the story that the Jews came up with about how Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, it doesn't make sense. Uh, and Matthew even tells us that the truth is they paid off the guards that spread that story. And so they see that Jesus isn't there and this is what he tells us. He says, The other disciple, John, who reached the temple first, went in, and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So all throughout his life, as Jesus is spending time with his disciples, as he's teaching them about who he is and what he came there to do, he tells them again and again and again that he's going to die. But he also tells them, I'm going to rise from the dead three days later. And so when they get to the tomb, when they see that the body's gone, when they see that the face cloth is folded up, he tells us, we believed that he had raised from the dead. So the disciples, the first disciples that show up, John and Peter, they see that Jesus is gone, and they believe that he's risen from the dead. That's the way they respond. And we're going to see other people respond differently in the rest of the passage. Then these guys, he tells us, verse 10, the disciples went back to their homes. What do you think they did when they got home? So imagine, right, you're one of those disciples. You just found out Jesus isn't there. He's not there because you believe he's risen from the dead. What do you think they did when they got home? 
partied hard. What do you think, Zaley? Yeah. Absolutely. They probably burst in their homes and yelled, Jesus is risen because they're so happy. And John probably did that especially because who lived at John's house? Any of you grown-ups know? Mary. On the cross, right? Uh, John kind of takes over, uh, as Jesus is on the cross, John, the disciple, takes over responsibility for Jesus' mom. So Jesus' mom, Mary, is at his house. And so you better believe, as soon as he gets home, he says, hey, Jesus isn't in the tomb anymore. He's risen from the dead. He began, I, I, I would guess, like Zaley said, as soon as they got home, they started sharing the message of the resurrection. This is what happens next. Mary, the one who, who discovered in the first place that Jesus wasn't there, she goes back. She stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look in the tomb. So she kind of peeks in. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. So she sees two angels. And they said, Woman, why are you weeping? Lady, what are you crying about? And she says, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. So Mary's response is different than John and Peter. John and Peter, they see that Jesus is gone. They believe that he's risen from the dead. But Mary, she's not so sure. She doesn't know where he is. And so she's crying about it. And having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing. But she didn't know it was him. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Now this next part's kind of silly. She says, or, or he tells us, thinking he was the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where have you laid him, and I will take him away. So Jesus shows up, and he starts talking to Mary, but Mary thinks she's a, he's a gardener. Mary doesn't see that it's Jesus. Um, that's right, that's silly, Zaley. Jesus says to her, Mary, so Jesus says her name. She turns and she says to him in Aramaic, that's the language they spoke, Rabboni, which means teacher. So she, after he says her name, she realizes, wait a second, this isn't the gardener, this is Jesus, and he's risen from the dead. And so she says, hey, teacher, like I know who you are, you're Jesus. And Jesus says, don't cling to me, because she writes, she probably like hugged him and was thankful that he was there. But he says, let me go, for I've not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers, go to the disciples, and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. He's saying, I can't, I can't stick around. I've got to go to heaven to be with the Father, because that's what I'm supposed to do next. And he tells us, Mary Magdalene went out and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he said these things to her. So she does what Peter and John did. She goes back and she starts preaching the message that Jesus has risen from the dead. And then Jesus is going to appear to the rest of the disciples on the evening of that day. So later that day, the doors were locked, right? Because at this point, the disciples were still freaked out. Because Jesus had just been killed, and they were probably worried that the Jews were going to come try to kill them too. And so they're in this room, the doors are locked, and then John tells us that Jesus shows up. He came, and he stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. Which is kind of like, chill out. Why do you think Jesus said that to them? Because they were panicking, right? If you were at home, right, 
sitting in your living room with your mom and your dad and your, your brothers and sisters, and the doors were locked, and then all of a sudden, somebody else was in that room with you, don't you think it would kind of freak you out a little bit? It would surprise you because people don't just come into rooms with doors that are locked and uh, that, like, that doesn't happen. But John tells us that it did happen with Jesus. All of a sudden, he was there. He was with them. And so he said, hey, peace be with you. And then when he said this, he showed them his hands where his, the nails had pierced his hand. He showed them his side where they had pierced it with a spear. And then it tells us, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So Jesus shows up. The disciples move from being afraid and panicky to being glad and happy. They're thankful that Jesus is risen from the dead. And Jesus says, now it's your turn to go out and preach the message that I've risen from the dead. And it says that he breathed on them, which is kind of weird. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit like he said he was going to do. And then John tells us that that a guy, uh, one of the disciples, Thomas, he wasn't there. So imagine if all of your friends saw Jesus risen from the dead and you didn't. This is Thomas. And Thomas shows up and the other disciples tell him, hey, we've seen the Lord. Jesus is risen. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. So we have Peter and John. They show up to the tomb. They see that Jesus isn't there. Immediately they believe. Then we see Mary, who uh, you know doesn't see Jesus at first, doesn't recognize him at first, but once he says her name, she recognizes him. She believes. Uh, then he shows up to the disciples, all of them except for Thomas. Uh, he pronounces peace upon them. He shows them his hands. He shows them his side. They believe. Thomas says, unless I get firsthand experience with him, I'm never going to believe. Then John tells us, eight days later. So eight days between Thomas hearing the message that Jesus is risen from the dead, eight days later, Jesus shows up again. Again, the doors are locked, but Jesus comes. He stands among them. He says, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. So Thomas immediately changes his tune, right? He sees Jesus, he sees his hand, he sees his side, and he says, you're my Lord, you're my God. He's, he's recognizing that Jesus is exactly who he said he was his whole time with his disciples on the earth. And he puts his faith, puts his trust in Jesus because Jesus has called him not to unbelief, but to belief. And then listen to what Jesus says next. So we've got these kind of three different groups of people. We've got Peter and John who believe right at the beginning. We've got Mary who believes a little bit later. And we've got Thomas who doesn't believe at all until Jesus shows up and then he believes. And then this is what Jesus says. He says to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So he says, Thomas, you, you believed in me because you, you can see me. You can put your hand in my hand. You can put your hand in my side. But Jesus says, blessed are those who haven't seen me and believed. Who are those people? Who are the people that have believed in Jesus but haven't seen him? What do you think, Zaylee? Peter and John, that's right. Who else? 
Everyone other than Thomas. Yeah. What about us? Right? We haven't, we haven't seen Jesus. And we believe in him. And so kids, the, the thing that I want you to think about and the thing that I want you to encourage your parents to think about is, is what is our faith going to be like? Right? Are we going to be the people who, like Thomas, say we're not going to believe any of this until we can see proof? Or are we going to be like Peter and John who you know, just see an empty tomb and immediately believe that Jesus is risen from the dead? Uh, because this is what matters for us today. Right? It's, it's, it's kind of cool and, and even kind of silly in places to see how they responded to Jesus rising from the dead. But, but kid, what's important for, for you guys and what's important for, for your parents and, and everybody else here is what are we going to do with the resurrection? How are we going to respond to it? Are we going to believe that Jesus really has risen from the dead like he said he did? Like he said he would and like the Bible says that he did? Uh, are we going to believe, like Thomas, that he is our Lord and our God? Uh, or are we just going to think, hey, these are, these are cool stories in the Bible, but they don't really matter for us today? Um, so kids, I would encourage you to go home today and, and tell your parents, talk to your parents about the resurrection. Talk to your parents about the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. Um, and help them be as excited about it as you think they should be. Uh, and if they aren't, don't leave them alone until they are. Right? Because the, the excitement of Easter, it's, it's not about the eggs and the candy and the, you know, the Easter egg hunts and, uh, you know, anything else like that. Those things are fun and we should absolutely do them and enjoy them. But what matters is that Jesus is risen. And that's not something to just get excited about on Easter Sunday. That's something that we should be excited about all the time. And so help your parents not to be a dumb adult who, you know, gets bored when we hear the same thing again and again and again, but help them have the kind of excitement about the fact that Jesus is risen that you can have because you're a kid and you believe that God really can do everything that he says he can do. Because you guys are right and we're wrong. Um, today, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, um, the Lord's Supper is something that, uh, like, through and through tells the story of the resurrection. When Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians, he says that, that when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we proclaim Jesus' death in, until he returns. And so, even in the way uh, Paul talks about the Lord's Supper, he's assuming the resurrection, right? We, we proclaim his death, the fact that he died, until he returns. The only way he can return is if he didn't stay dead. And so when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're reminding ourselves not just about Jesus' death on our behalf, not just the fact that he's paid the penalty for our sins. We absolutely need that reminder all the time. But we also always need the reminder that he didn't stay dead. He's, he's risen. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're not just celebrating his death on our behalf. We're also celebrating the fact that he's alive. And so today, uh, as you take some time to prepare your hearts to celebrate the Lord's Supper, uh, I would encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to, to convict you of the ways in which Jesus' resurrection doesn't excite you. The ways in which it doesn't stir your affections and encourage you towards obedience. Ask the Holy Spirit to, 
to motivate you towards obedience. That the Lord's Supper for you wouldn't just be another routine thing that we do every Sunday. But that today, on Easter Sunday, you would be reminded that Jesus is risen. And because he's risen, you have a responsibility to go out and tell other people about the fact that he has died and he has risen. And that that matters for us today. So I'm going to pray and then take that time, prepare your hearts, ask the Holy Spirit to work in you and do what only he can. Because we have the Holy Spirit because Jesus has risen and he sent him. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that the death and the grave couldn't hold you. That you died on the cross paying the penalty that we should have paid. You paid for all of our sin once and for all. And three days later, you took your life back and came out of the grave. And we pray that the amazing realities of the resurrection would be that for us. That you would help us to be as excited about the fact that you are alive as we should be. And then it wouldn't be something that, that just stirs our emotions or, or our affections, but it, that it would be something that motivates us outwardly to share the good news of the fact that you have risen from the dead. Father, I pray that you would send your spirit and that your spirit would not allow us to relegate Jesus' resurrection to one day a year. Pray that you would help us to, to model for our kids what it looks like to respond rightly to Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Pray that you would move us toward faith in Jesus. And I pray that as we celebrate the Lord's Supper today, that you would remind us that every time we do so, we're proclaiming the realities of the resurrection. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your resurrected life on our behalf.